Welcome to the All In My Head podcast. We're glad you decided to give this podcast a listen. We are a group of teens that are making a podcast for youth, by youth. We will counter stereotypes around mental health in the teen, BIPOC, and LGBTQ community and talk about things you might find a little uncomfortable. Join us twice a month for a reminder that you are not alone in these struggles. Hello and welcome to the All In My Head podcast. My name is Lane, and today we'll be talking about how to navigate mental health difficulties while in school. We know it's difficult to keep up with assignments when you're experiencing depression or significant stress outside of school, but how do you reach out to teachers? Where can you go for support and help? We'll start off by going around and introducing ourselves. Like I said, my name is Lane. I always see him pronouns. I'm 17, and I'm a senior at McDaniel High School this year. Hello, my name is Lauren. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm also a junior at Cleveland High School here in Portland, Oregon. Hi, my name's Corinne. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a senior at Cleveland's High School. All right. The first question I have for us today is what experiences do you all have with mental health issues in school? I can kind of start off just by talking about some of the experiences I had recently in terms of having a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety around school. So I had kind of overburdened myself and had a lot of extracurriculars and sports and classes going on all at the same time. And it got to a point where I really couldn't do all of them effectively. And so it became really difficult for me to get assignments done. And I was turning stuff in late or incomplete. I wasn't showing up to all of my classes. I had a really poor attendance rate. And this made it really difficult for me to feel like I was doing my best in school. And a couple of my teachers actually reached out to me and were like, hey, are you doing okay? Like, what's going on? How can we support you? And I thought that that was really great. And just an example of the importance of having a really close teacher-student community. Yeah, along with that, I feel like a lot of my teachers personally have been good at recognizing like when they're noticing changes about myself and even bringing it up to me and like making sure their concerns expressed. But I definitely want to leave space for all those people who don't have teachers that are that supportive and whose teachers like dismiss their mental health and like have not provided that space for them to like succeed. I totally agree with that. I think that for students who have the capacity to push themselves academically and pursue more advanced classes. It's almost normalized to be stressed out, overwhelmed. And for me, I kind of got that, the sense that that's just what I chose. And by signing up for those courses or the path that I took academically, that the stress just comes along with it. And that's normalized in the process when really students' mental health should not be compromised just because a student wants to pursue more rigorous academics. Yeah, definitely. That's super valid. And I think that there's definitely a culture within sort of, you know, higher academics about, you know, constantly being stressed and having things to do. And I think that that's really harmful for a lot of people. Another thing that recently happened was obviously the COVID-19 pandemic, which we're still living through to a certain extent. There was constant stress and uncertainty. And obviously, we were moved to an online environment. How did teachers do in responding to this at your schools? Did they do well? What did they do poorly? So for us, this school year, being back, it's the first year, no masks. That's been the normalist since my freshman year when the COVID-19 pandemic shut everything down. And 
we have shorter passing periods, a shorter lunch time, and shorter flex time. Flex is basically a time about every other week where you can get help with your teachers. It's like a designated study hall. So they've cut down on a lot of our resources. So I'm more late to class. I'm more late to lunch. So many students are more late to lunch because lunch is so short. And we were asking, like, why is this new policy in place? And they were saying that because we missed out on so much time actually in the building, that we need to have more time in the building actually doing school, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And personally, I feel like it's more harmful to students if they're constantly being late and not having enough time to recharge during lunch or use the bathroom during passing periods and just really take care of themselves. Because being expected to just sit down and study for an hour and a half, four times every day can be a lot. Definitely. I think the return to school has been sort of a like a shock for a lot of people in terms of you know, going from that online environment where there was more freedom and you had, you know, a lot less in-class time and you didn't have to focus for quite as long to being back in person has been really hard on some people. Specifically during the pandemic, a lot of my teachers were very understanding about the other responsibilities that people had, like increased childcare responsibilities or, you know, additional jobs during the pandemic to help out with the family. But I had a couple of teachers who really just tried to continue using the curriculum and educating people as if it was in person. So they didn't really make many changes to a lot of the documents or the curriculum, even though we were online and they tried to keep going at the same pace that we were in person, which just wasn't feasible. And I know like a lot of my friends dropped certain classes or their grades really sort of tanked during the pandemic because their teachers didn't do enough to accommodate the new needs during an online environment. Mm-hmm. I also can definitely agree with both of you. But one thing that's been particularly challenging for me is I was in eighth grade when the COVID pandemic first hit. And like seventh grade was my last like normal year in school before the pandemic. And because of COVID, I feel like my freshman and sophomore years, my academic rigor wasn't as difficult as I would have liked it to be. And even with the mandatory courses I have to take to graduate, there wasn't a possibility to make my schedule that much more challenging, despite me talking about it with my counselor. And so this year, like even though we're only three weeks into the school year, I myself, I feel like I was pretty prepared for the academic rigor that comes with junior year and being in a pandemic for two years. But I'm definitely already seeing a lot of my peers struggle keeping up with the workload of like junior year, full IB, and in a pandemic for the past two years with minimal workload. I feel like Eve brought up a really valuable point that right after the pandemic and we were back to school in person for the first time, teachers were taking a lot of feedback. They were really focusing on us as students and as people and on our mental health. And I feel like now that feedback and those, what's the word, just like those closer, more connective responses and interactions with students have sort of almost gone away to a point and are much less common just because we aren't in a pandemic anymore. But I feel like those responses still definitely apply to students now and to students always. Yeah, not all things that came from the pandemic were bad. And I think that's one of the things that the school can continue to do well is that social emotional learning aspect because that's something that they really kind of hammered home last year is like, you know, reintegrating people into the community and building those connections again. 
but I've literally heard multiple of my teachers say that they're trying to crack down or get kids back on track, which is valid to some extent, but I think we shouldn't lose that social emotional learning aspect. One of the other questions I had is just how do you reach out to teachers to let them know that you're struggling and what has the response been? Personally, I have reached out in person has been my like most successful way of reaching out just because it's easier when you're face to face to have a conversation with them and just be real. Like <laughs> they understand that you're a young person for the most part. My teachers have understood that I'm a young person going through a lot of different things with my family, with my identity. And they were really flexible with that and worked with me to, you know, keep me on track for school, but also recognize that I have other things going on in my life. And, you know, it's possible to do that over email or something like that. But I really think the best way, even if you're still in an online environment or you don't feel comfortable talking to them in person, like set up a video chat or something, just because it's so much better to do that through like a video. And it shows that you're not just trying to like get out of doing the work like you really you have legitimate and important reasons to, you know, be struggling. For sure. I feel like for me, I'm a fairly extroverted person and I don't really have an issue communicating what I want. And so that's come pretty easily to me when communicating with my teachers. But then I think about it for somebody who isn't as extroverted or who isn't as comfortable asking for what they want and how challenging that must be and how much you know, you kind of have to advocate for yourself in our school system. Like if you want help, you need to ask for it. If you need support, you need to ask for it. And I think that that's a common theme within schools is that self-advocacy component, which is really hard if you don't have parents that are willing to back you up and advocate for you. Or if you're, you know, from a culture where self-advocacy isn't something that you're taught or something that's valued, it's seen as like you're asking for too much or you're, you know, trying to take advantage of the system. and I think that that's one of the most challenging problems to solve within like education systems, because if we've built this up on like, you have to self-advocate and you have to go out there and get the opportunities or ask for the help, it's kind of it's hard for people from cultures where that isn't as common to get that help. And often those are the people that need it most. We've talked a bit about some of the things that schools have done well, but what can schools do better? What kind of things or tools can schools use to, you know, reach out to students or educate them in a way that's better for their mental health and keeps them from struggling quite as much? One thing that I think I can talk about a little bit is the resources available in schools, because most schools, whether you're aware of it or not, have plenty of resources. Like at most schools I've talked to with most administrators, they have some form of support they can offer you, whether that be like mental health related or not. There are plenty of supports available for you. And I feel like most students, just partially because of the pandemic and partially just because of like our generation, we don't want to ask for that support. And even though it is, you're not going to ask for something you don't know exists because what if it doesn't exist? And so just like, having counselors make sure those supports are more like noted and just making sure all those students especially incoming freshmen know about those supports within the schools or within your district or even go as far as countywide and statewide that's a super valuable point too and i think this is something we might be touching on in a future episode but 
For those schools who have school-based health centers, there's free counseling, no questions asked, no parents contacted. If you ever need someone to talk to outside of your school, they're not connected to your school counselor. They work for the county. If you ever feel like you might need that resource. Yeah, and I just want to hop in on there and just note that these are Oregon-specific policies that your parents won't be notified if you live in Oregon. And in most parts of Oregon, if not all, the services are free, but this can vary from state to state. Specifically talking about school-based health centers too, I feel like those are definitely one of the things that's talked about in your freshman health class, or at least at Portland Public Schools. And it's not something you continue your knowledge into over sophomore, junior, and senior year, and it just becomes a service that most people forget about. I think another thing that could be useful for schools looking towards the future is just building more trauma-informed schools, because I think that that's really important for, you know, teachers and staff and the school community as a whole to be able to recognize the impacts that trauma has on students and be able to respond to that in a way that is empathetic and allows for growth. For sure. I've had quite a few experiences, whether that's by teachers or even by substitute teachers, of just not taking a trauma-informed approach towards teaching at all. And especially in public school, I feel like that is just so crucial, whether it's making a joke when a student comes in late, asking why they're late or saying thanks for joining us instead of just welcoming them into their classroom. You don't know what that student had to go through to get to school. And I find little things like that super disrespectful. I also think that the sub-situation can be pretty bad with the lack of requirement um, required for them. I have had plenty of subs who have said transphobic remarks when taking attendance, who have gone on some political tangents, some racist remarks that just do not belong in schools at all. And I think that that can be super re-traumatizing or even create some new trauma for students. There's also been instances when I've been watching documentaries or learning about something in class that can be and has been really triggering for other students or for me personally, and there's just been little to no warning from the teacher about that, and I've sometimes gotten the opportunity to talk to them afterwards, and they apologize, and they say, oh yeah, sorry, I didn't know, I didn't think about that, but they really do need to know, and they do need to be thinking about this because everybody deserves to feel safe in school. Absolutely. And I think one of the components of that is just sort of breaking down the power dynamic within classrooms so that teachers see students as their equals and they see the person that they are, so that they can, you know, treat them with respect and not make those rude remarks and understand that they too are going through things and, you know, are often dealing with childcare and a job and, you know, they're not getting their eight hours of sleep. So, you know, for them to you know, make those remarks when a student comes in late or has something going on where they turn something in late is just unnecessary and just causes harm to the whole community of the school. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's been challenging, like since like coming back from the pandemic specifically and really just like balancing that like go, go, go type like schedule, like waking up, going to school, going to practice, coming home, doing homework. And then like being up until 10, just to repeat that for five days in a row. And that just like balancing that has been extremely challenging. And I know whether you play a sport 
or you do extracurriculars, I feel like that's taken an impact on all of us. So I definitely think that's been a struggle for a lot of teenagers is just finding a happy medium for everything. And so just a couple things that have personally helped me, as cliche as it sounds, keeping a planner and just being able to know what I have to do and like just having a concrete to-do list where I can just go off and check everything off the list. I know a couple other things that have helped for my peers and my friends is like keeping a Google calendar with due dates or even just looking at like whatever place your school submits assignments for our school, it's Canvas. So just looking at and checking things off as you do them. But there's so many strategies that work for different students. And I feel like it really just comes down to what works best for you. I think almost all students deal with some level of stress, but it's really important to know how to cope with that stress and manage it. What are some of the ways that you all have coped with stress? And, you know, how do you move about your school years dealing with that stress? For me, I feel like when I'm busy, I'm kind of in my best place when I'm in a whole bunch of clubs and I'm doing stuff after school because I feel like when I'm not busy, I'm just unproductive, scrolling on my phone, doing other things that aren't beneficial to my mental health. But, you know, being busy does sometimes create more stress. And I feel like when that stress does accumulate, taking some time simply just for yourself, not for your academic work, not for any clubs or extracurriculars, but maybe taking some time to journal, you know, get it all out on the page. What has been bugging you? Like Lauren said, maybe making a to-do list of all the things. I find that sometimes when there's just a whole bunch of things floating around in my head and then I finally put them down on paper, they seem a little bit less chaotic and it calms me down a little bit or finding some time for some mindful movement in my day or some meditation, just getting back into the flow of having a sort of a reset routine that you can do simply for yourself to relieve some of that stress and external pressures. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. For me, it's been like hiking and getting out in nature and just kind of, you know, separating yourself from all of those activities for a couple hours and just taking time for reflection and introspection and really just recharging or, you know, even if you don't have like nature near you, just like going to grab a cup of coffee, even if it's not with someone else, just like on your own to just like chill and relax and think can be really helpful for me. Also, just participation in sports. It is like another thing for me to do, but it's a way where I kind of get my stress out. I can just focus on whatever I'm doing that day and get all my energy out. And that's a really good way for me to just kind of focus in on something and only focus on that and not worry about everything else that I have to do, which is the most important thing for me. Like making a to-do list just stresses me out personally. And so I've learned not to do that because I just see this big list of all the things I have to do. And I'm like, ah, so it really is individual. I would agree with both of them on that. Yeah. One more thing I would like to add. Like, Corinne, for self-care, what it sounds like, you can talk more. You've dipped a little bit into this, but, like, just writing down your to-do list or, like, meditating or doing some, like, mindful movement or, like, for Lane, getting outdoors and just enjoying a nice hike. But self-care looks different for everyone. And I feel whether that be, like, taking a 15, 10-minute break while you're doing homework and just, like, scrolling through your phone or just, like, getting a good little snack to enjoy while you do homework, like, just taking those breaks when you feel like you need them 
and just like remembering that self-care doesn't have to look like taking a couple deep breaths or like doing exercise. Just do what feels right for yourself and don't feel like your self-care has to look a particular way just because other people's around you self-care looks different from yours like really just focus on finding what works best for you and acknowledging that that looks best for you for sure i'd like to add on to what lauren's saying about how self-care doesn't have to be hyper feminine and it doesn't have to cost a whole bunch of money you know it doesn't always look like doing a face mask although i really do enjoy a face mask but (laughs) it's different for everyone and it's just about taking time to do something simply for yourself and that makes you feel good yeah and dipping into that a little bit more just like recognizing that there are other areas of learning besides academically Like personally, I've succeeded in like an academic environment, but after like getting out of my comfort zone and trying other forms of learning that are more like hands-on and personal, I feel like I have gained so much more from those experiences than I ever will from being in a classroom for six hours a day. And knowing that that one paper or that grade doesn't reflect you or define you, it's not a reflection of who you are. Everybody has their own unique strengths and weaknesses, and often our academic setting and school, especially public school and other schools, might not cater to that. And for sure, they aren't always demonstrating what we can really do. You know, a grade is just a grade. Thank you all so much for sharing those fantastic self-care tips and some more experiential stuff about how to navigate mental health difficulties while in school. I would definitely check us out at the underscore all in my head podcast on Instagram to see some of our self-care tips and stay updated on upcoming episodes. We also did an episode on self-care, so you make sure to check that out and we'll see you all in the next episode. This podcast was created using a grant from the Oregon Alliance to Prevent Suicide in partnership with the Association of Oregon Community Mental Health Programs and with funding from the Oregon Health Authority. The adult advisor is Nicole Mayer, music by Waterboy, shared on Pixabay.